Welcome to Scuderia F1, the podcast that's always up to speed with the latest Formula One news. Follow us on Twitter at Scuderia F1 Pod and subscribe to the show on iTunes and Stitcher. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Daly and Kevin Laramay. Hey everybody, what is up? Welcome back to the podcast that is always up to speed with Formula One here on the Overtime Media Network. I'm your host, Mark Daly, and welcome back to the show on a non-Grand Prix weekend. Yes, we finally have a weekend off. We have, what, six rounds under our belt now for the 2020 Formula One World Championship. And it feels a little bit weird that we don't have a race this weekend, although we did have a break between Hungary and the British Grand Prix a couple of weeks ago, but still... I know it's a lot of work for the teams, but I rather like these uh, triple headers. Uh, sure, it uh, it helps if uh, you know some of these triple headers are back to back races at the same track uh, on subsequent weekends. But hey, it works. And after having that long, 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 very long off season because of COVID and the delayed start to the to the 2020 World Championship. I'm just uh, wanting to get in as much racing as we possibly can. And sounds like we are going to be getting a, a final word pretty soon as to what uh, the, the final uh, formalized uh, schedule is going to be. Sounds like a couple of races are going to fall off uh, that have been in talks or been mentioned in the conversation for perhaps uh, hosting a race. And then uh, maybe uh, Turkey's going to come on board. We're going to get on uh, onto that in a little bit. But sounds like they're going to hit that sweet spot uh, that they've really been looking for. Chase Carey's been saying for months and months that uh, they really wanted to get a season in of between 15 to 18 races. We have 13 confirmed races at the, at the moment. And it sounds like by the time it's all said and done, we're going to end up uh, with 17, which uh, considering how uncertain things were just, uh, you know, four or five months ago when uh, COVID really started to spiral out of control and things were getting canceled left, right and center. I mean, let's let's be honest. I think we were all worried that, uh, well, not just for the Formula One season, but so many other things, of course. But certainly it didn't seem like the season was going to get off of the ground at all at one point, or at least uh, that's how it felt. And it didn't help when you had guys like Bernie Ecclestone, former Formula One uh, Supremo, saying uh, that he would have canceled the season outright. But uh, I think uh, Liberty should be uh, given credit uh, for what uh, they've been able to pull off uh, so far. We still uh, have 11 races to go if uh, that's how it uh, completely works out. And I think that's uh, going to be, uh, I, I think that'll be great. Uh, <laughs> I, I was thinking a little bit uh, to, to myself, just uh, I, I guess uh, how how much sort of expectant, uh, I guess it is, uh, maybe even a little bit entitled, uh, heaven forbid, that uh, when I was thinking earlier today, oh, 17, man, that means that we lost five whole races off of what we were going to have this year, had the season gone ahead uh, as it should have done. And then I thought, gosh, you know, uh, don't be so stupid, you know, it's just like thinking that that uh, that uh, we we lost five races, but considering everything that's happened since uh, the beginning of this year, that uh, even a, a shortened Formula One season of only seventeen races, and I'm using the uh, the inverted commas here, that uh, that that would be a, a bad thing. But 
it isn't. I think it's a wonderful thing and uh, really looking forward to it. But yes, sort of getting back to the what I was saying right off the top of the show here, that uh, I've rather uh, grown uh, quite fond of these uh, triple header race weekends. And well, we got a, a, a week to wait until we get back to racing in Belgium. And then they're going to come thick and fast again with uh, Spa, Monza, and then uh, Mugello at the end of uh, August and beginning of uh, September. So they're, they're going to be coming uh, fast and furious again. And it's, uh, I think it's going to be a, a really enjoyable, uh, second, uh, well, not quite second half of the, the, the season, I guess the two thirds of the schedule that, uh, are, uh, going to, to come ahead of us. And it'd be nice to see Turkey come back. Looking forward to going to the Nürburgring, Portimao, Imola, uh, Mugello, all these races that we never expected to see, uh, obviously just a couple of months ago. Anyways, I've rambled a little bit uh, more than I intended to, uh, off the top of the show here, but, uh, you know, it's all good. We've got, uh, some things uh, to talk about this uh, week and uh, well you know it's like I say it's not a race weekend and uh, it kind of gives us an opportunity to sit back and kind of uh, digest what's happened over the first uh, month and a bit of the Formula One season and it's it's been interesting hasn't it uh, in some ways it's uh, it feels a little bit predictable what with the Mercedes and Lewis Hamilton charging ahead at the top of the the constructors and drivers world championship standings which we're pretty used to seeing at this point but uh, we've also seen that Mercedes have a bit of an Achilles heel when it comes uh, to uh, how the car performs in the heat especially how hard it is on the tires so that was un- unexpected and I still think it's interesting you know the, these tracks that we we haven't seen or we don't race at very often or haven't raced at uh, for a very long time. I know that uh, some of the drivers, uh, especially the older ones, have raced in uh, places like uh, Turkey, you know, should, should that come on, and and uh, some of them raced uh, elsewhere. But I, I think it's th- they're just because the, the schedule has been so mixed up, and uh, it, I think it really could uh, – I'm hoping, I'm not, <laughs> I should say I'm hoping more than anything – that uh, it maybe kind of uh, throws in a little bit of uh, unpredictability into uh, the, the season as it goes along. Because let's face it, we, we've seen the races that we have so far more or less in the in the, in the time slot that we usually see, with, with the exception of Spain. Obviously, we see Spain in the middle of May rather than the middle of August. But hey, 2020, and it is what it is. But uh, still, you know, it uh, it it, uh, it is going to be interesting because once we get past these next two races at Spa and then Monza, then it really becomes this this patchwork of a season with some races still more or less where they're supposed to be, and then all these other ones that have uh, sort of come on board have been uh, rescheduled and kind of stop gaps and all that. So I'm really hoping that that's going to throw in some unpredictability. I mean, Sebastian Vettel talked about it uh, a couple of weeks ago, saying you know, how it's going to be uh, quite something to go to the Nürburgring at the beginning of October. I mean, uh, you know, I mean, the season is uh, more or less uh, scheduled around going to these uh, different venues, these different tracks uh, at a good time of year when uh, when the conditions are better. I mean, they were at, at one point still talking about maybe bringing the Canadian Grand Prix back in Oct- uh, October, but, the, you know, the race organizers uh, said, you know, that that's far too uh, late in the year to uh, to have decent weather and uh, to be able to, to, to put on a good race and stuff like that. And I mean, as you know, I mean, it can get quite cold and wintry in Montreal. So, well, I mean, not maybe not that time of year, but uh, I don't know. I mean, it, it is motor racing and uh, as great as it is to, to see the, these cars and uh, running on the tracks and beautiful weather and stuff like that. 
you know, you need these races uh, at, at times as well. When, when, when the conditions aren't that great, it, it really separates uh, the, the, the good drivers from the great drivers, I think, uh, because uh, you, you really see who excels in, uh, in wet conditions. We all know how good uh, Max Verstappen is. I mean, he is that driver of this current uh, generation who really is uh, that really talented uh, guy in, in, in the wet weather. But, you know, there's still a long way to go. I mean, uh, the the way that uh, it's looking so far that the uh, the the last race of the year at uh, Abu Dhabi is going to be uh, pushed back about uh, two two weeks uh, later than usual. I think it's about the December thirteenth or fourteenth uh, there thereabouts rather than last week in uh, no no November. So that uh, it's it's going to be fun to see uh, going to some of these uh, different places and uh, we'll see uh, what what happens. But uh, certainly, if we get some of these uh, wet weather races, uh, you know that uh, could really uh, shake things up again and. And hopefully it does. I mean, if, if Lewis goes on to win the championship, absolutely no problem with that. I just don't want him to wrap it up uh, before we get to Labor Day here in a couple of weeks in, you know, in, in North America. I want to see it uh, drawn out a little bit. I mean, we've seen Max fight back a little bit over the past uh, couple of weeks, whereas uh, Valtteri Bottas has uh, really gone off the the, the, the boil. Not that, uh, on, honestly, I, I don't really think he was a contender or is a, con- a contender to, to Lewis, uh, even though they have the same car. I mean, he's made too many mental mistakes and had uh, too many issues uh, so far this year. Okay. The, the tire thing at Silverstone at the British Grand Prix a couple of weeks ago, that was unavoidable, but Lewis uh, had to deal with the same thing. Uh, unfortunately for Valtteri, he had to deal with it for less than a lap on the final lap of the uh, the, 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 the race. So it uh, it really didn't uh, compromise him too badly because he still had such a big lead over Max that uh, that he didn't lose out. But, you know, Valtteri made uh, two really, really, really big uh, mistakes in uh, at the start in Hungary. And then he didn't have a great uh, start in Spain uh, last week weekend either and that's that's really gone and uh thrown a work a wrench into his uh championship uh, bid because that, that, that's one thing i mean you you can pretty much expect that the, the that uh, mercedes is going to design and build a bulletproof car and you can also <laughs> count on the bulletproofness if you want to call it that of the, the the mentality the mental strength that lewis hamilton has and the fact that the guy just rarely makes a mistake it just uh, doesn't happen I, I mean he's been that good for so many years now. I mean, it seems like a long, long time ago since uh, this guy came into Formula One. I mean, he's been a rock star ever since. I mean, look at all the races, six world championships, all the records that he holds. Sure, he's one of the best. I mean, that that conversation, uh, it, it has to be had, regardless if he's still an active driver or not. And, you know, it's, it is interesting. I was thinking about it uh, a little bit earlier this week, just uh, when we do have that conversation, how does Lewis Hamilton uh, line up against uh, some of the greats, like uh, Ayrton Senna, Fangio? You know, take any one of those uh, great drivers uh, from the past, Sterling Moss, Jim Clark, whoever, you know, whoever you think are the best drivers in, in Formula One. I mean, there's some obvious ones in there. We all might uh, have a couple of drivers here and there that we might uh, might want to promote over another. But I think it all comes down to, to, to one thing. Lewis, definitely one of the greats, definitely the best driver in this current of uh, generation of drivers, w- without a doubt on, on both counts. But when, when it comes down to how does he line up against uh, a guy like uh, Juan Manuel Fangio, I don't really know how you can reconcile that because, I mean, Fangio raced uh, decades ago in the 1950s and Lewis uh, races in, in, in the modern era. 
And that's not to suggest in any shape, way, or form that just because Lewis Hamilton is driving the latest, greatest, most technologically advanced uh, Formula One car in the world, each era has its own unique set of uh, of challenges and uh, and difficulties and things that uh, you know that the drivers have to to get on top of. And I mean, they very much have to master themselves. They have to master the car and the track. And just because Lewis has this wonderful piece of uh, technology in the W11 compared to what uh, Fangio was driving all those years ago, doesn't make it uh, necessarily easier for him in, in any way. So I, I don't know. That's uh, you know may, maybe some of you have an idea how to rank guys across different decades and uh, generations and years of uh, Formula One. But for me, the, the guys that are the greats in the sports, regardless if they raced in 1950 or 2020, it's kind of a a you kind of look at the, uh, the the names, the Schumachers, the Senna's, the, the the Hamiltons, whoever. I mean, they are the the, the legends of the the sport, and I think they should all be appreciated uh, and admired and respected uh, in their own right. But still, I mean, uh, some of you might want to go out there and and uh, and say, I think so and so is the greatest driver ever, and that's uh, that that's great too. Anyways, so shall we get into the news? It's been long enough. I mean, we're, we're creeping up uh, on the break here uh, slowly but uh, surely. But we'll start off with the news uh, this week that, uh, and, and, and this for me is a bit of a shock, that uh, that all 10 of the teams have actually signed on to the new Concord Agreement. I don't know if this is 2020. I don't know if there was uh, something in the water. They've all drank the Kool-Aid or whatever. But uh, coming from the era that, uh, that that I grew up with in the 80s and the 90s, and every time there was a little minor disagreement, it seemed like uh, there was going to be a, a big schism and uh, Formula One was going to be blown seven ways uh, from Sunday and Ferrari would always threaten to pull away, maybe start their own rival series. And it, it just seemed like it was a recurring th- theme over uh, you know such a, a long amount of time. And then I don't know if it's just uh, maybe, you know, you've got the new owners in Formula One. I mean, obviously, when you had Bernie Ecclestone, it was very much, uh, well, either you have the money to race in Formula One or you want to be in Formula One or a combination thereof. But if you don't have the money, you don't want to be here, fine. You don't have to be here. There's the door. You know, don't let it hit you, hit you on the way out kind of thing, right? And and that's how Bernie ran business. I mean, that that's how he ran Formula One. He built it into what it is uh, over the course of 40 years, but... It wasn't really sustainable. Like, uh, I don't like to see a lot of uh, turnover. I don't like to see like all these, uh, you know, big power struggles out uh, in the open. And that's why I find it really fascinating what we've seen over the past uh, several months. First of all, you had all these, uh, you know, emergency measures that were put into place because of COVID and everything like that. You could understand, obviously, there was a lot of uh, mutual benefit to, for everyone to try and to just take a step back as uh, we figure on what's going on in our communities, in our countries, around the world with this uh, with this pandemic and uh, it, and the way it's affecting, obviously, our, our, our communities and people's health and, and business and just everyday life. That made uh, perfect sense. And you could see why... My, there, there was a, a benefit across all ten teams, and uh, at all levels to, uh, to to come some to, to some sort of agreement. But uh, just because of that alone, but also what, what I found fascinating is that uh, all these uh, discussions regarding the you know the cost cap, and uh, even though it wasn't sorted out uh, overnight, I mean there there was a bit of pushback uh, from Ferrari who wanted this; they didn't want to go that low. I mean, still, I mean, the the the, the big discussion was uh, more on 
the uh, the amount that uh, that they should have for 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 the cost cap that's going to come in uh, next year, rather than uh, just uh, I mean I mean the the default far, uh, uh, setting for Ferrari that uh, that I guess uh, people of my generation are more uh, used to that whereas they basically threatened to blow the whole thing up and uh, and and walk away and take their toys with them, but still I mean to, to see that uh, you know the, with with relatively small amount uh, of of debate or you know that sort of spilling over into media and into 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 the fan areas of formula one was really quite astounding and then also to see this uh, this news uh, from earlier this week that all the teams had signed on to the concord agreement because just a week ago and even over the weekend uh, at, at the spanish grand prix it was kind of uncertain total wolf was saying that hey well you know if uh, nobody signs on to it right now it's not a big deal you know it'll get done at some point you know more or less i'm, I'm kind of parsing and paraphrasing here but basically he was saying if it doesn't happen right now it's it's not really a big deal but all of a sudden you know just fast forward a couple of days and all of a sudden you know you've got all the teams uh, that, that have signed on to it i think that's uh, really really uh, surprising anyways i got a couple more thoughts on that to get to it uh, after the break so don't go away we'll be back in just a moment passion drive and patience the formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive ebay motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right. Well, welcome back to the show. And yes, well, we're talking about uh, Formula One and how all the 10 Formula One teams have signed on to the new Concord uh, Agreement, which means they are now committed to the sport from 2021 to 2025, which I think is uh, great, uh, gives us uh, some more uh, stability uh, moving forward. And that's what we really need right now. I mean, there, there's there's enough drama, enough uh, uncertainty going on everywhere else in the world. And uh, obviously, what with COVID and all everything else that's uh, going on so uh, you know i think it's a uh, really uh, impressive that they've uh, managed to, uh, to get it done um there was uh there, there was a formal confirmation uh confirmation earlier this week that uh that uh, teams like uh, mclaren ferrari uh, and williams had signed on and then uh that then on wednesday the FAA announced that all the teams had actually uh, had signed on and met the early sign on, sign on deadline, and I think that's uh, absolutely astounding. They had a joint statement that uh, was released, uh, and it said, uh, "quote The FIA and Formula One can, t- can today confirm that all ten teams have agreed to the Duke Concord Agreement. This allows, or sorry, this follows extensive discussion over the past twelve months with all teams, Formula One, and the FIA. The agreement will secure the long-term sustainable future for Formula One, and combined with the new." regulations announced in October 2019 that come into force in 2022 will reduce the financial and on-track disparities between the teams helping to level the playing field creating closer racing on the track that the fans want to see more of. Closer racing will attract more fans to the sport benefiting every team and continuing to increase the global growth of Formula One end quote. 
Well, you know, honestly, I mean, that that is the the, the, the big question is that all these measures that uh, they've tried to put in place and that are going to put into place that are going to come in, what with the cost cut, the new technical regulations that have been uh, set back a year because of COVID and uh, now are going to be uh, coming out in 2022. That really is the big question. Are these measures going to make a difference and is it going to change things uh, on, on the track? I mean, let, let's be honest. Uh, the, this race that we saw last weekend really was not that uh, that that exciting. I mean, it, it was pretty boring. I mean, uh, I mean, I, I don't want to suggest that, uh, that that it takes away anything from uh, the, the the victory that Lewis Hamilton uh, you know the, the deserved. I mean, he went out there. I mean, he just nailed it. I mean, he was in the zone. I mean, he even said so uh, himself. I don't want to take away from the individual accomplishments from from the teams and the drivers and and everybody that worked so hard over the course of a of a weekend, but just the, the the way that the sport is i mean you still don't see a lot of passing at, at times i mean i i don't want to make it sound like a, that 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 i think that's the case each and every race because clearly it's not and we've had some very very good uh races uh in 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 recent times i think it's gotten a, a little bit better since uh, 2017 since the current uh cars uh, came into effect but you know especially at a track a track like barcelona you got to take it with a pinch of salt i think because this is a track that uh, that they basically can drive around with their their eyes closed. I mean, they they do more laps uh, there over the course of their careers than uh, than than anywhere else. I mean, they test there obviously over the winter, and uh, they they're very very familiar with it. And I think maybe that uh, just on a bit of a tangent here, that uh, I think maybe to an effect that uh, 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 sorry uh, uh, Mercedes were a- were able to mitigate the damage that uh, they had uh, or the potential for the damage to the tires uh, that they saw at the at Silverstone for the 70th anniversary Grand Prix a couple of weekends ago and they were able to uh, mitigate that in Barcelona because just the fact that they are there so often and uh, you know they 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 if they know how the, the car is going to behave and they they know some of these factors if it's going to be anywhere that they really have a clear picture it's going to be Barcelona just because they have so much data and knowledge on the on that track but anyways you know, going back to what I was saying, that uh, we, we, like tracks like Barcelona, we don't see a lot of overtaking, and uh, th- that is my real hope for going uh, forward into 2021, into 2022. That you know the cost cap and uh, you know the bringing the uh, the, the the cost down for everybody equally across the board. That this is going to translate into um, you know more competitiveness on the track. That the the, the new cars that they're they're going to uh, reduce you know that uh, you know the aero effect and the disturbed air behind the cars, and uh, that they're going to be able to follow closer and uh, have more opportunities uh, for for overtaking. But we really won't know until what looks great on paper and uh, that has been uh, tested, uh, obviously uh, simulated in the computers. We we really still won't know until they actually get on the track and and, and start racing. And then we can prove, okay, well, the theory actually uh, you know, pans out uh, as everybody hoped it did or expected it would and, uh, or it doesn't. But uh, of course, uh, <laughs> you know, we, we won't see until it actually happens. But going back to uh, my original thought, I do think that, uh, that uh, getting all this big, business uh, done on a lot of the back end stuff in formula one over the past six months or so uh it, it really is amazing and uh i have to give a lot of credit to, to all the the, uh, the 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 parties involved uh because this really isn't the the, the formula one that uh that, that i've grown up with and uh, and many of you have grown grown up with so it, it, it's a bit of a mind blower but in a good way so uh you know happy uh, to see it anyways uh ferrari they said uh, the signing the of a new concord agreement 
agreement offers Formula One growth. And I think that is uh, interesting. And I think that's important. And that goes back to that uh, that joint statement uh, that was uh, released uh, by the FIA that uh, um, that this new Concord ag- agreement uh, does uh, offer the, um, uh, the, the, the framework. And so do all these measures and these new regulations to make the sport more exciting, make it more competitive. Uh, and, and, and I think that uh, obviously that uh, the, the add-on or the follow-up on that is that if the racing is more exciting, if the championship is more exciting, if, if it's a more unpredictable that, uh, that, uh, that the championship is not going to be decided uh, halfway through the season, that's decided later on, and there's more than one, you know, the two drivers in, in the same team fighting for it, you know, uh, obviously, uh, you know, uh, Mercedes is the name that, uh, that, that comes to mind in this era, you know, Ferrari and another McLaren, maybe Williams, you know, go back over the years and decades. I mean, they're, 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 the way that Formula One has always been is that there's always been one very dominant team, uh, you know, Red Bull's another one that uh, obviously deserves a shout out and be included in that group, that have been extremely dominant uh, at one point uh, in Formula One uh, for sometimes for a shorter or longer a period of time. And you know, it gets a little bit repetitive. And I, I, I know this uh, maybe sounds, uh, you know, you kind of, although this guy was a big Michael Schumacher fan, how can he say something like that? Uh, you know, criticize Mercedes and, uh, and, uh, and Lewis for all the winning that they've done over the past, uh, several years since, uh, 2014. And yeah, I mean, to, to be quite honest, uh, towards the end, no matter how much of a fan of, uh, Schumacher I was, it did kind of lose its, I don't want to say it lost its appeal, but it certainly wasn't, uh, uh, as exciting towards the end of that run as it was at the beginning because, you know, it became a little bit uh, predictable. And uh, like I say, I don't really mind it at the end of the year who wins it. It's just, uh, I, I'd like to see more excitement in it. I want to see more challenging. I would like, I'd love to see Lewis uh, pushed over the course of the entire season rather than uh, running off uh, at uh, at breakneck speed and and uh, establishing a huge lead in the championship uh, where, uh, you know, he, he can kind of manage it uh, the, the, the way that he needs to. Not that he ever backs off. I'm, I'm not accusing uh, Lewis of that at all. I mean, he races uh, hard uh, each and every weekend, uh, but uh, certainly it would be great to see him fight closer with his teammate, the Ferraris, the Red Bulls, whoever, you know, that uh, it would be great to see more uh, of an even uh, uh, playing field. But at the end of the day, too, I mean, uh, uh, regardless if you have these cost cutting measures in place, it, it still it still makes me wonder, too, how um, especially attracting people to teams uh, might work. Uh, because re- regardless if they have all the, the same financial uh, framework uh, to to operate in, you still have to think that teams like Ferrari, teams like Mercedes are still going to get the, the, the cream of the crop and the, the, the pick of the very best just because they're Ferrari and they're Mercedes. And if, uh, you know, you're somebody that has that skills and knowledge and, uh, you know, you're, you're able to, you know, get one of those cool jobs that so many uh, of us would love to have in Formula One, you know, if you're lucky enough and you're smart enough and, uh, you, you know, you've, you, like I say, you've got the qualifications uh, to, to be there. You can imagine that uh, that you're wa- going to want to be racing or, or working for the very best, like a Mercedes or a Ferrari, compared to say, uh, you know, no uh, no disrespect intended, but you know, I don't think there's really a comparison. Would you rather be working for for Ferrari? Or would you rather be working for Williams or or Haas or somebody like that? You know, no no disrespect intended to them, but still, you you got to wonder. Uh, it, it 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 is going to be. Um, 
good in one way that uh, teams just can't run away and spend how much uh, they want on whatever they want on whoever they want and uh, spend like there's no tomorrow. So I think it's a good thing, but certainly uh, just because that uh, that framework uh, is in place uh, to level spending, I don't think uh, means that it's going to completely level the the, the playing field uh, as kind of completely intended because uh, there'll there'll be uh, different ways uh, that um, that uh, might be uh, more attractive uh, than you know for for people uh, to work in Formula One. Anyways. Just uh, my uh, two cents. Anyways, um, like I was saying, uh, Ferrari says that uh, they believe that there's a lot of growth uh, that uh, can be uh, found in Formula One. And uh, Louis Camilleri, the uh, CEO of Ferrari, uh, said, quote, we are pleased to have signed up uh, again to what is commonly known as the Concord Agreement, which will regulate F1 for the next five years. It is an important step to ensure the stability and growth of the sport. We are very confident that the collaboration with the FIA and Liberty Media can make F1 even more attractive and spectacular while preserving its status as the ultimate technological challenge. Racing is in Ferrari's DNA, and it is no coincidence that the Scuderia is the only team that has uh, participated in every edition of the FAA Formula One World Championship, becoming an integral and essential part of its success and uh, today and as in the past and above all in the future. End quote. So yeah, I mean, uh, th- that is interesting. Uh, I-, I mean, I-, I do think that, um, as Camilleri says, if um, th- this new agreement makes the-, the-, the sport more attractive and spectacular, that definitely will make, uh, I-, I don't think it will attract just more fans to-, to Formula 1. I think it will attract more sponsors, more media interest. I think they'll um, also uh, increase maybe interest uh, from the engine manufacturers and the constructors. So so who knows? I mean, sometimes I think that uh, the-, the-, the grid that we see with 10 teams and 20 cars seems about right seems about perfect and sometimes i kind of think well you know would it be um wouldn't it be nice to maybe see a couple more teams in Formula One? And if so, where where is that uh, that that imaginary line uh, that says, okay, what what is good? Is is this good right here, or can we add on uh, a, a little bit more? But uh, I still think that. Liberty, no doubt, they they have done a good job since uh, they they came in and took over from uh, Ecclestone uh, a couple of years ago. Now, I mean, we haven't really seen big leaps and bounds forwards. I think that uh, that they've really taken some time to to, to really figure out uh, the, the the business that they've become involved in. I think that uh, on on the social media side, they've done uh, quite a bit. I, I think that they've made things a lot more accessible. I like the idea of the F1 TV Pro. I know that uh, that there have been some technical glitches because. 2020 uh, that uh, unfortunately some of you have had to experience and put up with uh, for something that's a, you know, it's a premium product and it's, it's not cheap, but I mean, they, they've, I think they've shown a lot of initiative uh, on things like that. And I think that, uh, that they're clever enough to recognize the history of uh, formula one, whereas they, they've still looked into uh, bringing in uh, new venues. I mean, I'm disappointed that, uh, that, that the, the, uh, the Vietnamese uh, Grand Prix in Hanoi didn't go off this year, but you know, I mean, there, there's a reason why it didn't. I mean, uh, th- this pandemic thing has really messed up uh, so many things. But it's disappointing because that's one of these new tracks. Really looks like it's a, a good venue. It looks like uh, it, it should be somewhere really fun. Uh, so we got to wait a while uh, to see that. But still, I mean, I, I'm all for adding these new tracks. But I don't want to lose the classics. I don't want to lose like a, a, a Spa. I don't want to lose a Monza or a Silverstone. 
I, I think it's uh, really crazy to think that, uh, that that with recent times we haven't had a French Grand Prix, and uh, the German Grand Prix has been a little bit uh, hitting this uh, over the years. I mean, uh, obviously we're going to have um, you know the, the the Nürburgring this year, but some of these tracks you, you got to balance the good with the old, recognize the the, the history with Formula One, but still add new tracks uh, to uh, to the mix uh, as and when. And I, I think they've done a pretty good uh, job of that uh, to have what uh, or build on what they they inherited and add uh, a couple new tracks uh, here and there. Anyways, uh, time for another break here on the Overtime Media Network. Don't go away. We'll be back in just a moment. All right. Well, welcome back to the show. And before we get back into the the, the rest of the news, let's just uh, go over quickly and just take a, a break from our break, and uh, so to speak. And let, let's just uh, quickly run down uh, the driver standings in the, uh, the the world championship and also the constructors. Uh, of course, uh, Lewis Hamilton still on top with 132 points, leading uh, Max uh, Verstappen. It was in second uh, for Red Bull, Valtteri Bottas third, uh, Charles Leclerc fourth in uh, the Ferrari and then Lance Stroll in uh, in the first of the racing point cars rounding out uh, the top five drivers in the world championship uh, thus far and who, who would have thought that uh, a couple months ago that uh, Lance Stroll would have been one of the drivers uh, in the in the top five at this point in the season uh, but uh, good for him Excuse me. Anyways, on the constructors' uh, standings uh, side of thing, uh, no surprise here. We have uh, Mercedes leading the way at uh, 221 points. Red Bull in second place in the constructors, 135 racing points. Mercedes, 63 points. Uh, McLaren is uh, in fourth with uh, 62 points. And then you have uh, Ferrari rounding out uh, the top five with 61 points. And what a logjam there. Third through fifth in the world championship, you have uh, the, the, so the three teams within a couple of points uh, of each other so that that's obviously going to change uh, here and there but uh, you know it still just uh, blows my mind to see a Ferrari top you know almost out of the the, the top five just are hanging on but I mean there is uh, you know about uh, not, not quite 30 points uh, between Ferrari and Renault who are in sixth but still you, you expect to see Ferrari much much uh, closer to the top uh, than where they are uh, right now so don't really need to get into that uh, too much uh, we know how much uh, they're they're struggling uh, uh, but still, it, uh, it it is a bit of a mind blower, and especially when you hear some of the things that uh, they've been talking about uh, at Marinello, that uh, it's going to be a couple of years. Uh, you know, they're not really expecting uh, to be back in the, the the hunt to be winning races until 2022, and that's a little bit discouraging, I think, if uh, you're a Ferrari fan, considering that uh, you know the, it really isn't all that long ago since they were really challenging uh, Mercedes. They were more on an even footing. It was only as uh, recent as uh, 2018, and uh, well last year was uh, pretty much hit and miss but it was a lot a uh, lot more hit uh, than, uh, than than they're having uh, this year i mean it's just uh, really really uh, rough i mean uh, just uh, look at the struggles that uh, charles leclerc had uh, last weekend uh, with uh, you know the electrical problem and then uh, you know seat belt uh, was too loose i mean that just seemed uh, kind of crazy and then all the struggles that uh, sebastian vettel's had with his car this year just uh, not a good place uh, where, where they're at right now. But, uh, I mean, they have done a lot uh, over the past uh, couple to several months uh, reorganizing the, the, the structure of the team and, uh, you know, ultimately uh, that, that uh, you know, they'll, they'll be judged on uh, whether or not those uh, changes uh, were effective uh, or, or not. But, um, yeah, it, it really seems that uh, that uh, the, this year is going to be an anus horribilis uh, for them. And, uh, well, 
I, I really don't expect to see them uh, turning around this year, although uh, it would be uh, nice to see them a lot uh, further up. But uh, you got some other teams that have uh, stepped up uh, in the meantime. Uh, I mean, there's uh, obviously a lot of controversy with uh, with racing points, uh, but uh, it's also good to see uh, McLaren up there. Uh, you know, I think that uh, they've uh, really uh, made some very, very positive steps in uh, their resurgence and uh, their renaissance, if you want to call it that, over the past uh, couple of years. So good to see them up where they're at. We're going to talk about them in a little bit. Uh, as well. Well, actually, we're going to talk about them right now when I look at my notes. And uh, Andreas Seidel, the team principal, uh, said that uh, he's actually quite happy that uh, they've decided to uh, enforce a ban on testing at uh, some of these uh, new uh, tracks that they're going to be uh, testing uh, and testing at. So they uh, they do allow, the the, the, the sporting regs allow teams uh, to run uh, 2018 uh, spec cars without limitation on mileage uh, as long as they, they keep the governing body uh, informed. And a lot of the teams that have actually been uh, planning to go to Portimao, Imola, or uh, Mugello uh, before they have the uh, the, the, the races uh, there over the coming weeks and months. Um, you know, the, the, the teams, they're also allowed to do uh, limited running in their current cars. Um, uh, I think it's 100 kilometers, I believe, off the top of my head. But they use uh, special tires for that and not the the normal uh, compounds that uh, that they use uh, for, for, uh, for, for racing or for testing. So, um, but still, I mean, it, it would give you the opportunity even uh, in, in the relatively short distance of 100 kilometers to, to, to kind of get uh, dialed into a track and, and and get a feel for it, especially uh, for one that uh, they haven't been to uh, for a long time like Imola or, uh, you know, in some cases uh, ever when it comes to, to, to Portimao. But I think it is a good I- idea that uh, that uh, Ross Braun, who's uh, the, the sporting uh, motorsport director at uh, Formula One, uh, he uh, he wanted to put a, uh, you know, a, uh, put the kibosh on that and, and, uh, and uh, not let that go through and uh, you know he, he basically stated that uh, that it would be the cost and that the fact uh, that uh, by doing so the teams are also getting a, a competitive advantage uh, especially if they're going and getting some reconnaissance uh, even on the, the short span of just a, a couple of uh, you know 100 kilometers on one of these filming days or whatever or unlimited mileage doesn't matter if it's in 2018 uh, specification car I mean uh, the, these cars that they're driving right now are just a, a bit of an evolution on that uh, design I mean they haven't uh, changed too too drastically in the past uh, couple of years. Uh, but still, I mean, uh, you know, the, the, you're still going to learn a lot about that that track if uh, you're running in a in a in a, an older specification car, and I think that's uh, very good. So, um, Seidel uh, said he was very happy about uh, the the fact that, uh, that the FAA and Formula One had uh, you know uh, decided to put a ban on that, and uh, you know it really isn't fair. I mean, a, a lot of these teams obviously they have the financial resources uh, to do so, and I think that uh, by doing so, it would have sent a wrong message, uh, very much like. Uh, Seidel says uh, in, uh, in in his comments that uh, it would just uh, go against the spirit of all these uh, cost cutting measures that uh, that they agreed to this year. First of all, because of the shutdown that was uh, you know had had to be uh, brought in because of COVID, and then the whole uh, cost cap that they've all uh, agreed to to come in for 2021. So I think that's a, a good thing. I mean, you got to leave a little bit of uh, unpredictability in the sport. I mean, not to the point where it's dangerous, of course, but uh, you know, I mean, the, the thing is, Formula One is supposed to be a challenge on all fronts uh, not not just uh, in the car or out of the car and in, in the factory all aspects of formula one i think uh, need, need to be challenging i mean if it was a filming day and uh, you're driving around the streets of london or new york or tokyo what, whatever right 
that, that that's something different. I mean, you're getting out and interacting with the fans so they can uh, take pictures and uh, hang out with the drivers and stuff like that. And uh, the old normal, not the new normal, of course. But uh, yeah, that that to me is like what what, what a filming day is. Uh, not uh, that uh, you're you're going around even on these uh, funny spec uh, tires uh, that are compound tires that they they have for the filming days. You're still getting a, an idea of uh, what what the track is like. You're still getting uh, some so, something positive out of that that uh, that you can use to your advantage uh, for for the race. Um, anyways, um, uh, France tossed the uh, team principal at uh, Alpha Tauri, uh, aka uh, Toro Rosso, believes that um, the definition of what a constructor is in Formula One is uh, out of day, uh, out of date, and uh, that uh, teams uh, should be able to buy parts from from rival teams. So th- this is uh, kind of interesting because. You know, it is, um, Formula One, it's strange that way, right? I mean, we're sort of stuck in this whole racing point, this Pinka Mercedes um, uh, controversy, debate, uh, battle, whatever you want to call it. That's been going on for for quite a while. I mean, I know that uh, that uh, they've uh, ruled that the brake decks that they have are are not legal. That they're they're too much of a copy of uh, of uh, of Mercedes. And yeah, I mean, I, I think it's it, it's fine for the uh, when it comes to that that each and every car out there has to be uniquely uh, designed. But why not uh, in the um, in the interest of uh, cost cutting, why not have more common parts that uh, that they all use that come from a common source, or you're able to uh, to buy them from somewhere else? And that gets into that whole listed and unlisted parts things. But anyways, um, you know, uh, France Tost's uh, opinion when it comes uh, to this is uh, is obviously it's quite con- contrary to a lot of his uh, contemporaries and his uh, peers in the uh, the, the Formula One uh, paddock. Um, you know, uh, saying that uh, you know that, that this whole thing that uh, that uh, the, the definition of a construct out of date and um, the FAA also went on to confirm that they want to make sure that uh, all the teams fully comply with the requirements design their own uh, listed parts but uh, Franz Tosta believes that uh, his team should be able to uh, take more of an, uh, an advantage of the, uh, the the relationship that they have uh, with Red Bull which is you know obviously the A team and the B team if you want to call it that uh, I mean they, they do have a lot of resources uh, that uh, that they have even though uh, they're, they're, they're separate teams Anyways, uh, Tost had to say, quote, the personal opinion from my side is that the team should be able to buy much more from another team. Why? Because for me, this philosophy that every team must be a constructor is out of date. I know all the F1 purists say, ah, we must be a constructor. Every team must design everything in-house. The question is, you know, the engineers are saying this, but how do you finance everything? Because we reach such a high level on the technical side, the top teams have such a fantastic infrastructure. If someone wants to come into F1, even the teams which are in F1, if they want to catch up, this is very difficult and nearly impossible. And you spend millions, and I'm just asking, what for? I'm asking, why does every team have to have its own wind tunnel, to have its own CFD, and have five, 600 employees? Okay, now there is a cost cap coming, but nevertheless, in my opinion, we still spend too much money, especially now under these difficult economic circumstances. But the regulation is how it is. Personally, I still think back to the days when we came to F1 with Toro Rosso and we got a one-year-old car from Red Bull Technology and we could race with a third of the money, end quote. Well, certainly it, it is uh, an interesting uh, thought that uh, the, that he 
has. And I don't know if I really like the the idea of a, of a team that's uh, down the order a little bit, sort of a midfield team running uh, like they, they used to uh, in the old days, like a one-year-old Red Bull, and just uh, throw some Toro Russo or Alpha Tauri livery on it. And uh, there you go. You got like a different team. I like the idea that each and every team is designing uh, and, and building their own individual unique cars. But I do see the sense in what he's saying, especially from the uh, the, the, the point of view that uh, when it comes to a lot of the parts, like like why do all these teams need like a, a, a wind tunnel? Well, obviously there's uh, the aerodynamic uh, development. I can, I can see that, uh, but you know, like when it comes to a lot of the widgets and the common parts and everything, why not just have a common source for them and they're all using uh, the, the same thing? But at the end of the day, would that really make a huge cost-saving thing? I don't know if you're buying a box of widgets, uh, whether or not uh, that would have a huge uh, savings or impact uh, on the finances uh, of a team. Building and financing and and running a wind tunnel, obviously, yes, because that's that's a multi-million dollar uh, facility in terms of uh, designing and building and running and maintaining something like that. I mean, that's a big piece of hardware. And uh, I mean, it does obviously a very serious job, but... I guess uh, the, the other the question to be is uh, where exactly uh, does he think that that needs to go? But uh, certainly from from a point of maybe sharing uh, common points, I know there, there's been talks uh, over the years of uh, maybe having like a um, you know what, what was it, like a common gearbox that would kind of be issued uh, for to all the teams. So you know, I, I mean, there there definitely are different ways to uh, explore that. But um, it, it's interesting the twist that uh, the Tost is uh, taking on that uh, that uh, that he sees it uh, through the uh, the eyes of uh or the definition of that uh, that that constructor really isn't what it or at least in his opinion it uh, constructor today isn't what it used to be in uh, in formula one um anyways uh, total wolf uh, just uh, sort of sticking with this uh, theme and the whole uh controversy we've seen with the pink mercedes at uh, racing point uh, being a, a basically a carbon copy of uh, last year's uh, mercedes at w10 um anyways uh, toto says that uh, any uh, suggestion or accusation that uh, maybe mercedes had something to do in uh racing points uh, attempt to, to copy their their uh, uh 2019 w10 is uh, what he calls total nonsense so anyway Anyways, um, Racing Point, they were hit with a, uh, recently with a 15-point uh, Constructors' Championship penalty and fined 400,000 euros after they were found to have actually copied uh, the, the brake duct uh, design from uh, Mercedes' uh, 2019 car. So the team, and this is uh, Racing Point, they've been quite open saying that uh, they they attempted to uh, reverse engineer the uh, Mercedes uh, W10 uh, using uh, uh, photographs of the car, and they did so within uh, the, the regulations. And, um, you know, there, there's several uh, people that uh, higher up in the team there that uh, said that the the initial uh, results that they had was that they they, they took uh, quite a, a big fallback or drop down in uh, performance uh, before they started, uh, you know, finding some of the gains that, uh, that that they've been working with uh, with uh, with now. Um, anyways, um, I really couldn't see you know somebody like especially like a Mercedes like getting involved in something uh, so uh, so risky. Um, it, it just defies 
it just doesn't fly with me. Anyways, uh, Total Wolf uh, had to say that uh, he felt uh, it wasn't right uh, that uh, there was any suggestion that uh, Racing Point had gone and uh, used anything other than their own photography to designing their car. And uh, he said that he would stick up for his uh, team uh, for you know, any, any accusation that uh, might be uh, brought against them in the case. Anyways, uh, Total had to say, quote, copying the car uh, more from uh, photos is something we would know. That is why, from my perspective, is total nonsense to pursue that argument. I will be defending our brand firmly if somebody wants to go down that route, end quote. So uh, there you go. I mean, that that is a a, a big, big uh, accusation if somebody wants uh, to, to go that far. But we've seen it over the years in Formula One. If somebody comes up with a good idea, then the the, the other teams uh, tend to to copy it uh, pretty quick. And I, I go back, of course, uh, you know, a long longer time ago to the 90s when we had uh, Ligier and, and Benetton. I think it was 1995, you know, the, the two cars that uh, that both of these teams had they they were similar not quite um, you know the, the the same arrangement that uh, Red Bull have with uh, Red Bull Racing and Alpha Tauri but uh, there there was a link uh, between those teams and I I can't remember the exact model numbers now but just go and Google Benetton and uh, Ligier I think it was 1995 I think maybe it was the uh, the Benetton B195 was a car anyways they do look very very similar not not identical but uh, still you know it, it is something that uh, we we've kind of seen before but uh, you know just to going that uh, that that route and I'm surprised to hear uh, Toto bring it up, but uh, I guess uh, maybe it uh, would be at some point. I would be absolutely shocked if uh, Mer- Mercedes were involved in anything, uh, perhaps underhanded or, or gave them some sort of a tip uh, or guidance on, on on to do that. I just don't see any advantage. I, I mean, the, the the risk far outweighs any potential advantage in doing so, in my mind. Anyways, uh, time for one final break here on the show. Don't go away. We'll be back in just a moment. All right. Well, welcome back to the show and time to start wrapping it up. But uh, we're going to talk a little bit now to what I hinted off uh, off the top of the program. And that's just uh, about the, um, the, the the schedule and what we're going to see over the next uh, couple of weeks and months as the uh, the, the schedule gets finalized and, um, and, and, and confirmed uh, for the rest of the year. And uh, well, first of all, uh, the, the one that's uh, kind of a bit of a surprise because it's kind of been a, a late addition to the, the, the discussions because as far back as a couple of months ago that uh, once uh, the discussions uh, started coming out and the news that uh, you know that uh, there was going to be a re- uh, reboot on the season and uh, it was going to start at some point and uh, you know some races were going to be postponed others canceled outright for 2020 there were there were alternative venues that uh, that that came up uh, almost once those uh, discussions uh, started and uh, and and started to circulate but turkey wasn't really one that uh, that that uh, that was there i mean a, a lot of the tracks that were there were the ones that uh, were going to be on the schedule this uh, th- this year at any rate, and they had some others kind of uh, uh, popping up, like the uh, uh, pardon me, not uh, the Nurburgring uh, Hockenheim, some of these uh, places like that, uh, the, and, and that kind of uh, made a little bit sense uh, of sense because you know they're, they're team, or, sorry, uh, not teams, uh, but uh, tracks uh, and venues that uh, have uh, recently held a Formula One race. I mean, we were at Hockenheim last year for the German Grand Prix. But uh, it's really cool because, um, you know, Turkey, they haven't actually raced there in a, in a good number of years. And I think it's a, it's a, a pretty cool track. I think it was 2011 was the last time that, uh, that they actually um, uh, had a Grand Prix there. 
but uh, it, it sounds like it is uh, it's almost a done deal that it's going to be um, you know confirmed uh, very very uh, soon and uh, it'll actually get a, a, a slot in November just uh, before the uh, yet to be confirmed back-to-back races in Bahrain and then uh, so it's going to come uh, before those two races and then the season uh, finale at Yas Marina in Abu Dhabi in the in mid-December so if these uh, get uh, get added then that's going to bring us up to the 17 races and that's uh, like I was saying off the uh, you know the the top of the show if they can actually get to 17 races i'm going to be so thrilled about that because at some point uh you know we're kind of thinking uh you know well everybody was uh diving for the rule book at one point uh several months ago it was just like well how many races do we really need to even uh make it official for a world championship turned out it had to be uh eight on three continents although i'm sure if uh, things were really dire they could have uh, had some sort of a uh, extraordinary measures uh, passed to, to to make sure that uh you know that uh, they could uh you know award a world championship uh, both to uh, the, the winningest driver and uh, the constructor but um i'll be honest i mean for the longest time i thought if we could get to maybe eight or ten races that would be uh fantastic i mean it, it, i'm not going to be uh i don't think uh stretching too far that when they said that uh they wanted to to finalize uh the the schedule somewhere between 15 to 18 races was uh you know that that was going to be that magic number for them and i i really felt well you know if we can get close to 15 that would be great you know if we could get to, to 18 that would uh, be, uh, be awesome but i was i was i was skeptical and uh, no doubt about it i mean it isn't 100 percent confirmed yet uh, but it sounds like it is just uh, more uh, formalities uh, than than anything else i mean a, a lot of the drivers uh, are uh, excited about uh, going back there uh, roman grosjean said uh, it would be mega and uh, a lot of uh, uh, drivers that are actually uh, racing in formula one have uh, actually uh, raced there it's a uh, well not a lot uh, but uh, but enough. Uh, Lewis has raced there. Sebastian Vettel, Kimi Raikkonen, and Sergio uh, pa- Perez have all uh, raced there in a Formula One car. And uh, Grosjean uh, won there in uh, in GP two in uh, two thousand eight and two thousand eleven. And um, yeah, so it'd be uh, pretty cool. I mean, you got that really cool corner. It's uh, a quadruple apex left hander. That's uh, turn eight, and uh, it was uh, it was really spectacular. And uh, it, it, it it the thing is, they haven't been there in uh, the the modern specific specification cars. I mean, obviously. That is a big amount of time uh, between 2011 and 2020. I mean, the amount that these cars have changed in nine years is uh, is ex- uh, exponential. But uh, it would be uh, really cool to see that. Uh, you know, Alex Albon uh, said that uh, that he, he's looking forward to it, and uh, he, he predicts that uh, it would be easy to take that uh, turn eight uh, flat out in the current uh, generation of cars. So it could be uh, quite uh, spectacular. So, um, anyways, another track uh, that was. Um, under consideration uh, recently was uh, Jerez in Spain, which you know have they haven't been to for a, a good number of years. Um, the other two uh, races that uh, were still being uh, uh, considered uh, uh, recently were uh, both uh, Vietnam and China, uh, but apparently uh, those uh, did fall off uh, a little time ago and they weren't uh, seriously uh, considered. But I mean, uh, like I say, I mean it, it's disappointing. I was very much uh, looking forward to seeing the uh, you know the the the, the Turkish sorry the, the Turkish Grand Prix, but the uh, uh, 
Vietnamese Grand Prix, but I think that uh, Turkey would be a, a cool one uh, to come back uh, under the circuit, uh, especially in uh, in such a, a bizarre <laughs> year that, uh, that that we've seen this year. And uh, if they can pull it off, like I said, I think that's uh, absolutely uh, fantastic. So anyway, so that, that'll be confirmed. I know a couple of times uh, on the shows that I've done recently, it seems every time that uh, the show's been, uh, you know, it's, it's gone out for, for download and <laughs> wake up the next morning and like, oh yeah, you know, I was talking about that last night. Maybe we'll see these races on the schedule. Wake up uh, to the news uh, the the following morning that uh, hey now it's been confirmed but um, <laughs> it's all good but happy to see that uh, that if we can get close to if we get seventeen in the end I think that's uh, great uh, considering I was uh, honestly uh, quite skeptical expecting uh, far far less and we said just a couple of quick uh, items of uh, news here um, uh, Mercedes uh, said it's very unlikely that uh, they've resolved uh, the, the problems that they've had uh, with the tires in uh, recent weeks and that. Uh, comes from uh, James Voles, who's their uh, chief strategist. And um, this is despite that they had a very, very good uh, race in Spain and didn't experience the same uh, problems that they had with uh, with the blistering uh, that, uh, and, and the tire punctures that we saw at, uh, at the two races in uh, Silverstone of Voles. He credited uh, what he called the incredible work of the team to address the, uh, the, you know, the, the blistering issues uh, before uh, Barcelona. And that's the thing with Mercedes, though, right? And I was talking about it, I can't remember if it was last week or the week before, but it seems every time that these guys uh, hit a bump in the road, that uh, they're able to figure it out and come back uh, even stronger. Now, of course, um, Barcelona is only a one-off uh, spot. can be a very uh, challenging track uh, for, for tires as well. Uh, but, but still, I mean, they, 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 they did do a good job uh, in, in, in Spain last weekend. But of course, if there is any track where they're, they're going to know or have the best indication of uh, how they expect uh, some certain aspect of the car uh, to, to behave, it's going to be uh, Barcelona just because they, they know the track so much. And they have uh, so much uh, data there. Anyways, uh, Total Wolf says that this engine party mode ban can actually make Mercedes faster in a race, which uh, I think is a, a little bit uh, ominous. Um, anyways, uh, the, the FAA let the teams uh, know last week that uh, they only uh, are going to allow one engine mode for qualifying in the race. Uh, and that's going to be uh, confirmed in a technical uh, directive uh, before the Belgian Grand Prix uh, next weekend. Um, anyways, uh, a, a lot of people around uh, felt that that was just a way to maybe uh, kind of um, pull in uh, Mercedes a, a little bit. And, uh, you know, they, they're the ones that, uh, you know, their party mode in, in qualifying in the races whenever they use it uh, is uh, really quite uh, spectacular. So there, there is that speculation. So uh, Total Wolf had to say, quote, I think the primary goal of the FAA was to implement uh, the rule to better understand and better analyze what was going on with the engines. It's a very complex method between the combustion engine and all the energy recovery system and having one mode it becomes more easy for the FAA to really see everything and is in compliance Um, a total uh, goes on to say it has uh, always been the case in uh, F1 pulling back the leaders who supposedly uh, are the leaders is something that is good for the sport we see it very much as a challenge we have a good quality mode and we're able to give it a little bit more power in the last session but if that is not possible anymore because everything needs to be smoothed out over the race then that's not a deficit for us on the contrary we think we can translate it into more performance in the race. That is something that is a great challenge for us that we'll take on once the rule is implemented. So that's a little bit uh, of, uh, I think, a shot across uh, the, the the bow there. So um, it, I, I wonder if uh, one of these, uh, you know, these things that's maybe meant to be well intended 
may actually, uh, you know, pun, you know, pun intended, uh, you know, might, might, uh, backfire on them, but, uh, we'll see, uh, soon enough, uh, next weekend in, uh, in, in, in Belgium, whether or not, uh, that's actually going to, to do something and, uh, or not. Anyways, um, Andreas Seidel, team principal at, uh, at, uh, McLaren said that his team is uh, not going to give up in the, the, the championship and is still uh, fighting, uh, and is still very much uh, in the hunt uh, for third place in the, uh, constructors, uh, championship. Uh, as I was mentioning, just uh, coming back from break not so long ago, that uh, they're currently fourth, uh, just uh, behind uh, Racing Point, but they're really in the thick of it there with uh, the Racing Points and the Ferraris. So that uh, that that's going to change uh, all. <clears throat> excuse me, uh, all season long. But it really would be good for them if uh, they they can actually uh, pull it off, because I think it would be just an excellent indicator of how far that uh, that this team has actually come over the past uh, couple of years. I mean, it's not all that long ago since they were really wallowing at at the bottom there, really, really in a bad place when uh, they they, um, came in or they repartnered with Honda there. And, you know, it's good to see that uh, even though that they split from Honda, that uh, both of these, uh, you know, both uh, McLaren and Honda are are doing good things, uh, you know, with with different people, uh, so to speak. I mean, uh, they've had some uh, good performance. I think they've done, uh, pretty decent with the with the with the Renaults since they they split and and likewise Honda's gone on to do uh, some pretty good things uh, with uh, with with Red Bull. I mean uh, they've already won a number of races, and I think that uh, was absolutely crucial in them uh, you know, staying in the sport. But you know I, I don't think third is out of the uh, the, uh, the 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 question uh, for McLaren. I think that's uh, interesting too that uh, that they're doing you know, pretty good uh, this year. Uh, they, they didn't, uh, the, at least the language that was coming out uh, from, from Woking uh, earlier in the year was that uh, they didn't uh, really expect to maybe be as strong uh, this year because they were going to start uh, focusing on next year's car and for 2022. And uh, maybe that uh, might uh, affect, uh, you know, the, their fortunes uh, this year, you know, kind of have that pay off a, a little bit uh, further down the road. But if that car is uh, just that much better, that, uh, that that'll be even uh, more of a payoff uh, for them. But certainly, just uh, good to see them uh, doing so well uh, at the moment. Anyways, uh, just to, to, to finish up here, um, Lewis Hamilton uh, said he hopes uh, something positive comes up uh, for his uh, rival, uh, Sebastian Vettel. Um, you know, obviously the, these guys, uh, they've uh, gone at it uh, before in uh, in recent years. Uh, Sebastian obviously having a horrible time uh, this year. I mean, his uh, Ferrari SF1000, uh, just uh, not a good car and uh, he's struggling uh, each and every weekend, uh, just can't find any speed in it uh, despite getting chassis changed and all uh, trying all these uh, different things anyways uh, we, we know that uh, he's out uh, for Ferrari at the end of the year to, to make way for Carlos Sainz anyways uh, Lewis had the following to say quote I've made comments in the past but I saw the difficult race he had uh, previously at Silverstone and all I can try to do is empathize with the position he's in and try to be understanding because it could never be a great feeling to have been told that you're not wanted to continue within the team especially when you join a team and get into a team and you give you all you give your heart uh, but I think the way he is pushing and the way he's continuing to try and help the team I think it just shows the great character he has and his commitment to racing i really hope uh, something positive uh, comes up for him uh, moving forwards end quote yeah i think that's uh you know a really classy thing of uh, lewis hamilton uh, to say and and i really hope that something uh, positive com- comes out uh, for sebastian vettel for for 2021 uh, as well i mean it seems like the the only realistic option uh, he has left uh, for for next year is 
to, to, to go to Racing Point or uh, Aston Martin as it's going to be. But uh, certainly that uh, remains to, uh, to be said and done. But uh, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's a little bit uh, disappointing uh, to see uh, Sebastian struggling where he is and also uh, Charles Leclerc. I, w- I want to see these guys up there fighting uh, with, uh, with Mercedes and fighting with the Red Bulls. And uh, yeah, just hasn't been a good year for them uh, at all. Anyways, uh, that's, uh, that's it. That's it for the show this week. Uh, it's time to wrap it up here. Thank you very much uh, for listening and downloading the show. If you want to uh, support the show easiest and best way uh, to do so is just to, to go to Apple Podcasts or the, the, the podcast uh, platform of your choice and uh, leave a five-star rating and review or whatever you feel is right. And uh, certainly the better the review and uh, the, the, the rating the, is better for us, obviously. It helps uh, the, the show grow and uh, that would be uh, most appreciated. Anyways, if you have any feedback or comments or you just want to say hi, easiest way is to do so on Twitter at ScuderiaF1Pod or if you want to send me an email, you can also do that at ScuderiaF1Pod at gmail.com. That's it. That's a wrap. Obviously, no post-race uh, report uh, this week because it's uh, the, the weekend off. So enjoy your free time this weekend. And uh, we'll be back uh, next week uh, to preview the Belgian Grand Prix. Already uh, stoked uh, for, for that one. Until then, have a great weekend. Have a great week. Take care. Talk to you soon. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to the Scuderia F1 podcast. If you want to get the show notes for this episode, then head over to ScuderiaF1Pod.com. Want to get in touch with us? Then email us at ScuderiaF1Pod at gmail.com.